Behind this door is another dimension. Welcome to Enter the Flow Zone podcast. This is the only podcast that teaches people the secrets of peak performance, positive psychology, and mindset mastery to help unlock your flow state. Here's your host, certified flow coach and international happiness consultant, Sumed Chatterjee. Hey there, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Enter the Flow Zone. It's great to be on here again. I hope you guys are doing well. If you haven't done so already, click the Apple Podcast link and you know, leave us a review. We would really appreciate that. As always, we have a really special guest expert with us today. We have Mr. Dane Thomas, an incredible uh, dark wizard himself, and <laughs> he's here to drop some wisdom bombs for you guys. Hey, brother! Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, first of all, I just want to say that I'm so proud of gone through this program spiral twice first time with Jackson like uh, maybe two or three years ago and then again quite recently this year uh, with Catherine Rollins and you know it's it's just been this incredible like kundalini roller coaster I like to call it it's like <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah so my question I mean is before we delve in tell could you tell the audience a little bit about what spiral is? Sure. So the spiral is essentially a journey from lower consciousness to higher consciousness is one way of explaining it. So I think of it as like a pathway or a spiral staircase that um, goes up through a series of levels. The levels are based on, the chakra system as well as on spiral dynamics, which is where I took the name from. And in that crossover of those two things, what happens is we, we typically help someone shed any baggage they've been carrying from their, uh, their lineage, their ancestry, but also from their, their own life as well. So, you know, emotional conditioning they've picked up in their life that is really dimming their light or preventing them showing up as who they really are and the spiral is a really effective way of of dropping some of that stuff so we can more powerfully be ourselves mm. yeah and and that's exactly what i feel like i felt i felt like i, I became more of myself it's very strange mm. to say that but yeah it's uh definitely like it as we unlock all of that stuff right the guilt the shame the dogma all that stuff it there seems to be like a feeling of freedom or an ease or a lightness. Um, uh, what would you say is like the most common thing that people report back to you after doing spiral? Yeah. The, the lightness is a common one, you know, because it, what, what I'm hearing and what I've learned from sort of seeing, you know, a few thousand people have gone through it now and, the consistent thing is less resistance in the way that we move through life. Yeah. You know, like so many things we're trying to do, we're kind of sabotaging ourselves, you know, and my, the way I found my way into the tools that led, that led me to create the spiral. So kinesiology and neuro-linguistic programming and that kind of stuff was, I was trying to come out a rap career in my early twenties mm. and I was so keen and committed and energized and loved it but I also had all these other things that would kick in whenever I would try to get on stage or try to write a song or, or release a song that, that were kind of like all these resistances that would come up. And so what I see and what I hear is that that 
resistance and the resistance can be to different things is it sometimes completely dropped, but oftentimes significantly reduced. So it's like, well, I wanted to have a successful business. Now I just have one, you know, mm. and it's not that we didn't magic them, the business, but less guilt, less shame, less fear it makes it easier to go out there and do the thing you want to do. So that, that ease is really the, the common mm. factor. Definitely. Yeah. And that's really important in terms of getting into a flow state as well, because if you have that resistance there, it really stifles you and gets you very in your head and you know, it doesn't yeah, allow 100%. you to really. Yeah. It's interesting you brought up that because I have a, a background in, in recording hip hop as well. And, you know, we can de definitely delve into that because I think that's a super interesting topic, especially freestyle rap, how, you know, it relates so much to almost the subconscious mind, right? It's just like, yeah. It yeah. takes out all the emotional junkyard stuff. I notice sometimes when I freestyle, I'm like, did I really say that? That, that was like a Freudian yeah. slip, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so when did this uh, whole journey of personal growth, let's say, first begin for you? Um, you know, the first seeds really started in my, in my mid to late teens. Um, you know, I had a lot of trouble in school. I, I was kind of like a nerdy kid but then I got into hip hop and I kind of had this, my teenage rebellion stage. And then I had a massive clash with kind of the, the dominant culture of my school, got bullied a lot, ended up stabbing someone with a knife, got charged with attempted murder and kicked out of school. All of that kind of um, catalyzed me to really question what life was about. Let's put it that way. And so by 17, that was kind of starting to calm down, but I'd, I'd lost my, you know, before that I wanted to like do good in school, get a girlfriend, get a career after that. Like I was just, you know, I wanted normal things and I had, I had some, I still feel I was quite different in inside, but I, I was on the normal path, you know? Yeah. And then this kind of drama happened and it sort of set me on going, well, what's, what's the fucking point of all this, you know? And a lot of books and my mom also partly triggered by the drama I brought into our family went down a sort of a Reiki healing clairvoyancy, you know, new age awakening sort of path at a similar time. And I started to get into Eastern philosophy, shamanism, psychedelics and so on. And just whatever, there was certain things that called to me that I could get my hands on. Um, one of the, we had some elderly neighbors across the road who were sort of um, involved in like Vedanta and stuff. So I started getting, giving books and little bits and pieces of them and, you know, found my way into like the Theosophical Society and the kind of esoteric stuff. So I kind of, yeah, I started around my, the end of my teens and um, that's been an obsession almost ever since, you know, so I'm 42 now. So it's a good, 20 nearly it will be stretching at the say 25 years but call it 20 years easily you know amazing yeah. so what inspired you to create the spiral like what you had all these pieces together did you find it intuitively you just wanted to blend them together what well i mean my real question is like what got you to be kind of like an innovator in this because i think that 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 kind of innovation or like as you called it, the mma of personal mm. development like what got you to put all the pieces together you know what i mean yeah it's it's funny you mentioned hip-hop you know like my i feel like my first two big um 
loves of philosophically uh, uh, hip hop culture and comparative religion. Mm. And, and both of those things kind of gave me sort of a mashup remix sampling you can take a little bit of it and put it in a little bit of that sort of a mentality. Mm. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's, and I wasn't just, you know, I rapped and stuff and I wasn't just interested in rap. I was, I was really interested in hip hop culture and, and where things came from. And like, so this came from Jamaica and it got to the Bronx, but they started weaving in like everything, like even craft work from Germany. That's pretty weird. And like this kind of sense of like, ah, mm. oh, you know, people that were in a, in a, tough situation aka like the bronx in the in the late 70s were driven to be more resourceful not less and and take stuff from everywhere so that that mentality was always there and i think i was trying to solve my own problems you know so you know like i was in my early 20s i had kind of self-esteem stuff around meeting women i'd like some girl i'd have some triggers around it um I ended up finding kinesiology and working with a friend to clear blocks. And then the next week I'd see that girl and just speak to her. And I'd be like, Whoa, I'm different. What happened? You know? And likewise, I was saying about getting on stage, you know, I'd be terrified. I'd be all shaky. I'd have to drink three beers to get up on an open mic night. After a couple of different types of sessions, I got, I was like, would find myself on stage and be like, I'm calm. This is like fun for me now. And it was really interesting because I tried a lot of different technology. Like before I figured that out, I remember trying to use like Reiki to calm like my anxiety and it wouldn't, mm. wouldn't really do anything. You know, it's not, it's not for that, you know? And, mm. or I try to like take my, my money blocks into like say an LSD journey and, and then nothing would really change. Like I would get some deep insights, but my beliefs wouldn't around like, mm how much money should you charge or money is scarce or whatever would they wouldn't just disappear. And so I guess as I sort of toured through all these different disciplines, I started building a little bit of an arsenal of like, okay, you know, you use a hammer to hit nails, but you use a spanner to, you know, tighten nuts or you use a saw to cut wood. Mm. Whereas you go into anywhere where they're really into one thing, they just do that thing, right? Like to the guy with a hammer, the whole world looks like a nail, right? Like, mm. And so I built quite a large bank of references of different things that seemed to be good for different stuff. Um, I started getting into coaching, which was very NLP based and I loved it. Um, and so I was seeing clients and coaching clients and, and just trying to fix them with like questions. You know, if, if you come, if I ask you the right question, your whole world can change. So I'm just trying to get really good at questions and mindset, but I had been doing all this kinesiology stuff and all this energy work stuff. And I was like, well, it's taken me 10 years to change my patterns and I'm trying to help this guy change quicker. And I'm not really using the full arsenal. I'm trying to be like a coach. So mm -hmm. a coach doesn't like reach across the table and like touch you or they don't mm -hmm. go like, okay, breathe like this. Or they don't, you know, they definitely don't do muscle testing and clearing on you. And so I kind of was troubled by that. I was like, well, it's like, I'm just, I'm people were coming to me cause I had gotten some results and then I was using coaching to help them get results, but I hadn't revealed like, yeah, but I used like acid kinesiology, NLP, you know, energy work, everything, goal setting mantras, you fucking name it. I used all of it and then something changed. So it doesn't really seem fair that I'm just like, 
getting you to set goals and like, you know, yeah. wave little eye patterns in front of your face or whatever. So I started to mix everything together. So I yeah. started to do like, okay, do you mind if we like clear some blocks for you? And yeah. so then I started doing these like hybrid coaching and kinesiology stuff. And that was kind of good, but I, it didn't, it was like the awkward fusion. Yeah. And then I started like realizing some of the stuff in NLP you could do better with kinesiology. So like the idea of a root clear came from like, you know, timeline therapy was very popular in NLP and I kind of thought it sucked, you know, but I love the idea. You go back down the timeline, you find when the thing happened, you change it. But I found that people were very limited in myself included in their ability to perfectly visualize, you know, their timelines. Like, Oh, I think I've accidentally floated up behind the fridge, you know, like, it's like, you're doing it wrong. You've got to pay. So I just reach across the table and muscle test and go, hey, something happened at four. What happened? Oh, my mum left our family. Okay, let's go there. So I started to mix the pieces together and that started to reveal some stuff. Um, I learned self-clearing. So instead of needing someone else to kinesiology muscle test, I could muscle test myself. Um, and then I got really interested in the scale of consciousness by David Hawkins and I started trying to clear myself up that scale, which is not something he tells you to do. I just started trying to, well, can I just be enlightened now? And once I started doing that and clearing my scale of consciousness, um, then I started to sort of see the big picture. Yeah. And I was like, hmm, this, you know, classic understanding of the chakra system. And then this kind of fairly modern take on spiral dynamics. And then this scale of consciousness thing they're all different but they're all kind of pointing to an, an ascension journey that is mm. it's they're different maps but they're they're ultimately a map of there can only be one reality and they all seem like they're pointing to something yeah and so then i started trying to use all these tools not just to solve a person's problem week by week but like how do we wake people up like starting with me how do we get the shit out of the way that is between me and like not just like being confident but like being my basically my god self or my you know mm. the fullness of whatever i am can i clear the blocks between me and that and that's how the spiral started to come into mm. being as a technology for like you know i was trying to hack instant enlightenment or something yeah know? yeah totally i get that and and the thing is i noticed like a, a pattern recognition you were like almost like a software noticing like oh yeah this goes with this and then this goes with yeah. this and so, yeah. yeah, I even noticed it like in Maslow's hierarchy almost also has a similar kind of model. That's so well, interesting. He and um, Claire Graves, the Spiral Dynamics guy, were friends. So they would compare oh. notes on their, on their maps of human behavioral evolution. And, you know, they're a bit similar. And, and I had learned Maslow's hierarchy in these two. And, and I just I felt like Spiral Dynamics was more sophisticated, but kind of the yeah. same thing, right? Like, yeah. That's so wonderful, man. <laughs> so you seem to really embody this, uh, this dark wizard or, or this archetype, I could say, of the magician where you're, you know, you're using all these technologies and you're able to you really use linguistics and all of these things really well. What advice would you have to, let's say, uh, rising wizards? I'm speaking like it's Hogwarts, but, you know, yeah, for yeah, people yeah. Who, are, who are, you know, want to be where you're at, uh, whatever that means, want to be where you're at, yeah. Uh, what advice would you have to aspiring wizards? Oh, that's the best question. I mean, if we're going to frame it like that, I think it's like 
it's kind of like figure out what your magic is then you know? if we're going to be calling people wizards it's like well, what yeah. what does that mean you know what, what kind of uh you know for me magic is about what manifestation creating things with your will and your intention and it's also about um mastering the unseen you know mm. um whether that's like systems thinking or whether that's like subtle energies, you know, it's still like, Oh, that guy can see things. That guy can predict the stock market. How is that possible? You know, like, or whatever it is, it's magic. Um, I think it comes from starting to identify um, what you're naturally good at and what you're naturally drawn to and trying to look for ways you can combine that with things that is unique, you know? So it's like, I think it was Evan Pagan has this piece where he talks about, you know, like you go to the circus and you see a guy juggling. Well, no big deal. Anyone could juggle, you know, and you see someone walk a tightrope. Eh, it's a little bit impressive, but when you see someone who can juggle on a tightrope, that's, there's already less of those. But then when you see someone who can like juggle while riding a unicycle on a tightrope and they're actually <laughs> juggling chainsaws, it's like, Whoa, there's only one guy that can do that, you know? <laughs> right. And, um, and, and the pay scale for that guy is going to be a lot higher than like a eh, juggler. And I think for me, there was a question I've always been stretched between like um, the spiritual and the material. Right. Mm. So on the one hand, just get me out of here. I don't want to do this earth thing. It's all bullshit. Like it's you know, <laughs> yeah. so depressed, like teenage angst mixed with like, you know, yeah it's all a hologram man <laughs> yeah totally you know like a really a really sort of immature take on buddhism is like none of this is real anyway why should i why should i bother you know yeah um so there's this sense of like seeing through it but also mixed with and when i cleared a lot more baggage i started to be like yeah but if you're honest you want to be successful in the game like you do you're lying if you and i think this is what i come across with a lot of spiritual people they're lying they're pretending they don't want to self-actualize you know and yeah. and i think you know if you were so fucking advanced like whether you believe in reincarnation or not if you were so advanced that you were done you clearly wouldn't have turned up here you know what is it just like a clerical error that you had you were meant to be finished your cycle of reincarnation but you came back by mistake no you're here for some reason you know and so yeah. so my question was like how do i be tapped into this kind of like spiritual reality and magical reality and continue to journey with that and you know have success and have growth and have fulfillment in the normal world because actually if i'm honest i wanted good relationships i wanted money i wanted a healthy strong body the only reason i wouldn't engage with those early on is i i I didn't think i could have it you know so i guess the question is how do you what are you talented at what do you love and how can you blend those things in a way that is, is of service to the world and is, is unique and will um, open up more growth for you, you know? Totally. Yeah. It's almost like when I was studying positive psychology, they talk about the, a lot of strengths questionnaires. They give you lots of those. They're like strength yeah. finder, Clifton, this thing, that, but it's so important that you find your strengths because that's what really gives you that, like it, your genius zone in a sense. So speaking of that, actually, like the genius zone, uh, what gets you into the flow state the most? Like what is your go-to? I have a few and, you know, it's only the last few years that I've become a little more um, disciplined or 
scientific is a bit of a stretch, but more, more committed to making sure that I get into the right states each day. You know, mm. um, I used to be like, sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. And then I, I've took a more committed approach in the last couple of years to like, well, actually this is imperative, you know, and especially if you're wanting to deal with wealth and stuff, it's like you can achieve so much more when you're on than trying yeah. to force yourself through. So for me, um, it's a combination of stuff that I, that I try to combine with each other, much like you would pick, imagine from what we've already talked about. Um, so weights is one of my favorites. So gym, which is sounds pretty mundane, but, but actually like focused um, strength training is really valuable. Um, but I'll kind of, I'll kind of qualify that in a minute. Um, self pleasure and, and running sexual energy through the body, I think is probably the most powerful one I know for me, it's like, yeah. it doesn't matter what mood you're in, what zone you're in. If you're prepared to, um, pleasure the body and run energy through the body like that, your state can change in like, you know, minutes, mm. like total state change, total neurochemistry, like mm. everything you need has been produced, you know? Um, so what I, what I tend to do, and I do a lot of like void meditation or quant like Joe Dispenza style meditation of, of like trying to dissolve the body and dissolve the self. So dropping out into like being no one mm -hmm. and what I'm more and more doing. I, and I do a lot of stuff with like uh, affirmations and kind of movement and stuff like that. But what, what is more and more um, potent for me is combining those things together. So it's like, I, don't worry, I don't, I don't jerk off at the gym, I think. But, um, <laughs> but I went from like listening to pumped up like rap music at the gym to like actually I'm listening to like full on hypnotic kind of bass tones and stuff that really alters my state. So in, in my rests between sets, I'll kind of sit there with this kind of trippy binaural kind of music playing mm. and I'll just run my affirmations and I'll just kind of get in state, you know, and then the timer will go and I'll do my next set. And so it's kind of like... I'm using your net it. time basically totally and it's like dropping in the being that i want to be that's that's what 40 minutes at the gym is about it's not just like mm. working out the body it's like activating the whole nervous system and dropping in you know who i really want to be and who i am and vibrating that mm. and but the self-pleasure stuff is like I think that's the most underrated flow state access stuff because I guess there's taboo around talking about it. Mm. So it's not like, um, but it's like, yeah, self-pleasure and also like internal, like anal massage and anal de-armoring has become something I'm like all my business coaching clients. I'm like, cool. So you understand we're going to get you to stick stuff up your butt, right? They're like, okay, whatever it takes, let's do it. But, but those things have such rapid state change access. And oh, and I almost forgot like breath work is also yeah. like becoming really key to me and, and combines with those other things really well because you can bring breath work into anything. Mm, totally. Yeah. Uh, have you ever explored also like ecstatic dance or like different types of dance? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, somewhat. And, you know, my partner Mia is super into that. And so I've kind of gone into that world with her. And it's not something I do like as a regular discipline, but sometimes I'll go down the beach and just put on headphones and just like jam out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> That's awesome. man. Great. So uh, in terms of hip hop and we talked about chakras too, you know, in my own personal life, I've noticed that hip hop and rap for me had a very grounding effect. Like mm. it's very like root chakra. 
but also right. I noticed it's very throat chakra. So could you like talk a little bit about how like music or hip hop uh, affects the chakra system? Because I think that's super interesting and very unique. Well, that is interesting. And, and, you know, for me, it definitely represents like a lot of third chakra stuff because it was really yeah. like a claiming of power, you know? So mm. this, you know, and like, so this whole like money, guns, hoes kind of thing when I was like 15, it's like, yeah, I'm going to be that, you know, mom, mm. I'm going to be a gangster from now on, you know, this little mm. scrawny white kid in the outer <laughs> suburbs, like, like, yeah. But it, it, because it was this breaking through into like, I'm going to do what I want, you know, what I say goes, I fucking take what I want. So there's a lot yeah. of fire in it Like for me. identity as well, yeah. Yeah, I, it's like, you know, if you yeah. don't know who's rapping, just wait, he's going to say his name by the second <laughs> verse, guaranteed. His name might even be in the chorus, you know? Um, yeah. So it's a lot of I and a lot of ego obviously can be in it. Um, so there's that. Um it's interesting. I also feel like when you start looking at things through chakras, you can find all of it in there, you know? So depending on your lens, you're going to find what you're looking for, you know? So if it's like, Mm. well, actually there's some real sexy, like, you know, um, kind of stripper kind (laughs) of strip joint tracks. They got a lot of Svetistana, right? Like it's like fully. Okay, like as soon as that beat comes on, everyone's getting sexy. That's 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 like sacral. So that's definitely there. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that I typically can find a lot of crown action in the in most normal <laughs> yeah. hip hop. You know, I I do find a lot of the more of the um the kind of instrumental beats and bass kind of stuff that I like, which has hip hop influences. Um, is is creating more space for that kind of like spiritual mm. awakening quote unquote kind of kind of flavor you know awesome yeah and what what is your personal process for creating music and recording music mm. super interesting so i you know i did rap till i was 30 and then i quit i was like i'm done i'm gonna you know also australian underground hip-hop at the time was not a particularly lucrative path to be walking you know it was just like mm. all right you know i've got to the level i'm gonna get to um, I need to learn how to like sell stuff and do business and all that. Fast forward 10 years to 40. And I was like, Oh, I think this thing is still with me. Like I still, I've still freestyled that whole time. It never really went away. Yeah. Um, so for me, I've really been rediscovering my process and yeah. I, there's a few different ways in like, sometimes I'll listen to existing music and I'll, I'll kind of get a, oh, I kind of could, I would like a song like that, you know? Um, sometimes I have a conceptual hit. So it's very like top down of like, I'm going to write a track about like, just kind of like, yeah, like the, the intro track to the to EP I'm about to release is called Step Into The Temple, right? So it's very much kind of like bursting through. It, it's kind of got, got a bit of an attitude vibe, but it's also dropping a lot of esoteric, stuff and so there's this guy and i knew that track just i just wanted it to happen you know mm. um and then other things so it's more like a consciousness coming down into matter thing like i've got an idea i've got a hit from my mm. this idea wants to be born right totally. but then other ones it's more like a vibration of like i'm in an altered Ooh. state and i'm kind of like maybe freestyling or I, I did a few like free form rituals where i would just get a bunch of people together and I didn't know what I was going to do, but they'd all come and I'm going to just do a thing like a happening. 
and I mm. ended up getting people to move and breathe and whatever. And then someone, and I didn't know, I'd put a bunch of tracks on a playlist and then it hit random. I'd be like, okay, whatever happens. And I find myself like channeling these weird, you know, like Egyptian temple choruses about snake skins, you know? And I was like, I did that. And that one just, I was like, that's a thing. Like that snake skin chorus <laughs> that has to be born. I don't know what the fuck, like I was seeing like temple priestess stuff and like skin peeling off. And like, I was like, okay, that's, I didn't, I didn't choose that. It just kind of came through me. So I'm still learning, but I'm, what I'm finding more and more is um, getting into a playful space where I can put music on and, and feel is kind of starting to feel more organic than yeah. the other way, which I used to work, which is I have a song about space pirates. I'm going to write. It's like, why? Like, you know, it's just, just like, yeah. Mm, amazing. So in terms of like taking that, ability to improvise or like freestyle um how important is improvisation or adapt adaptability in your life and like what purpose does freestyle rap uh serve in your own life i mean like in terms of mm. like free like having to freestyle last minute hand something in or like having to you know freestyle at the at the coffee joint like or whatever like you know what i mean like in your day-to-day -day, how are you bringing that vibration into your own life in what way yeah it's in, it's in me a lot you know like the way i build courses so i do, you know i do kind of coaching mm. programs and stuff like that yeah. typically i have the hit for the thing so a concept like the one i'm running at the moment it's called wizard in my pocket um mm. so i'll announce it i'll kind of say it's for these kind of people and it's it's this and I don't plan the content. I don't, you know, I'm just like, cool. This is who, let's just see who's interested. And when they show up, we, you know, close mm. the deals, start the container. And then it's like, okay, what are we going to do? You know, which is also a, a little, not when I run spiral trainings because it's a set structure, but when I've run retreats, there's a lot of that as well. It's like this thing will reveal itself. Um, yeah, the, you're like trusting the process a lot. You're just like, yeah, it's going to lead me to where, yeah. That's it. And and in, in a lot of the um, more esoteric containers, I mean, you know, there's a big spirit around we trust the mystery. You know, if we're, if we're operating from void, if we're operating from the current, we can't really walk in there with a timetable and a course plan and a dot point agenda because that's very mental. So I have, I feel that it's given me a lot of trust in the unknown mm. or in my own creativity, which I think for me being an entrepreneur has been a lot about that. And as I'm maturing, it's like, it's almost actually like needing to build the other side of like, you know, we have to prepare and plan some things. It's like, fuck, we really do. Okay. You know, mm. um, and finding that balance of structure and flow, you know, but yeah, for me, I think it informed everything because that was the thing I was good at. Like I was a much better freestyler than a songwriter when I was doing rap all the time. So mm. it, it was kind of like we had some okay songs, but it was those two segments on stage where we would freestyle that would really like make it something special. And um, I think it just, just the message I've got from it is that when you can get into the pure present, that's, that's the gateway where magic can happen, you know? And and also also you have to take risks. Yeah, that's it's a like, huge flow trigger. Yeah, up? yeah. I, I, the fact that I could fuck this up makes it a little bit interesting. 
Yeah, and in freestyle, it's also about like kind of riding on the mistakes, right? It's yes. like you're using the mistake as a part of the performance or like a stutter yes. becomes a part of the art form. So I love that aspect of just like, you know, making your weaknesses into your strengths, like Batman kind of, <laughs> like you're just like yeah. being able to utilize it. Yeah, super interesting. So, you know, I'm also very interested in your different influences in life. And, you know, uh, you you bring up, you know, people like Aleister Crowley and Carl Jung and like all these names. So you name drop a few people who've had a big influence in your life and uh, the reasoning behind that. Yeah, I mean, Crowley, it's so funny. Like I still, it's still controversial to talk about this guy, you know, and it's like... <laughs> it's like the end of the 1800s, you know? And like this dude was still, he was rebellious enough then that he still seems rebellious now. Like that's really radical, you know? So um, he really, to me represents like this, this renegade energy, but also like he really brought um, an understanding of magic to the mainstream, you know, and, and really embodied this spirit of kind of comparative religion. Like he just, you know, which, which could, which actually would be really critiqued now as like, you know, full cultural appropriation and empire, like, you know, really, mm. um, a product of his era. But what he was able to do was just hack and borrow and master a bunch of things super quickly and, and hybridize them into something potent and cohesive. And to my mind had awesome marketing while doing it, you know, um, because he was just this fucking reputation. It's because the reputation becomes part of the magic of like, mm. whoa, that's that guy. Something's probably going to happen if he's here. And it's like, well, that's already placebo created, mm. yeah. you know, the thing. So he's definitely that. Um, H.P. Blavatsky is another one. I don't know if you know. She's the woman who founded the Theosophical Society and yeah. made a really um, ambitious attempt at fusing Western and Eastern um, spiritual traditions together. And, it, you know, there's, there's a lot to critique inside that tradition as well. But, but again, like fuck for like the 1800s to like this, it's like crazy ahead of her time. So people like that I've been inspired by, uh, you know, I'm inspired by a lot of, um, big entrepreneurs like people like Richard Branson and stuff, you know, I, I, I was yeah. super inspired by growing up and, and, and rappers, you know, like people like Jay Z was a massive, um, just, just the, the iconic wealth builder hustler energy of him really inspired me. Yeah. Uh, and I like a lot of writers. I like Neil Gaiman a lot or Gaiman. He just has, just this epic creator of fantasy and science fiction and people like him and Terry Pratchett were kind of like my, like in my younger nerdy phase, that was like who kept me alive, you know, it's like war because they created worlds, you know? So some of those guys are big influences of mine. And then more recently, um, you know, I've, I've read a lot of books by like marketers and wealth builders and entrepreneurs. Like I've kind of almost just gone too far with that. I've just, that that was an obsession for a decade, you know, so I went hard there. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You also recommended uh, wealth dynamics. I remember cause I was part of your uh, six figure, mm. witch uh, uh container. Yeah. And so, yeah, there, that was really an incredible new insight into like learning your 
like almost your archetype, right? And I think feel like yeah. archetypes is such an interesting thing, especially people like, you know, Jordan Peterson or people who are like bringing it up again, this concept of archetype. And, you know, it's very, such an interesting thing that uh, can be implemented in a lot of different ways. I know in your book as well, in the, in the Integrated Man, you talk a lot about, um, about the different archetypes there and really breaking those down. So um, where did that come from in terms of like the inspiration of learning from these different archetypes? And I know a lot of mm. Carl Jung stuff is in there probably too, but yeah. Yeah. Tell me a little I, I think bit about that. Carl Jung, you know, it's really interesting because he's influenced me a lot, but I, I have definitely not exhaustively studied Carl Jung. You know, I did like mm. two units at university and, um, you know, picked through probably two or three of his books, you know, and, but, but then just kind of all the, the secondary influences and, and so on. But mm. I think for me, you know, I grew up on fantasy novels and magic and all that kind of stuff. So the archetypes are in there. I didn't know that's what they were. And then I was in a, a relationship with uh, Vanessa Florence. I don't know if you know of her who created dancing Eros and while I was landing the spiral, she was creating dancing Eros, which was a feminine archetype journey. So back at the time there was four feminine archetypes that, that were dance, like that are um, not in a choreographed way, just in a, like a channel, like we activate this music and then the priestess comes through, you know? And so I'd been around a bit of like dude archetype work, like the King warrior magician lover stuff. And it was pretty mm. boring. You know, it was, it was like, mm. you learn the idea um, try to put it in your life is a bit dry, yeah. but the way that the women were, were embodying them just fucking blew me away because they were starting to, the women were changing. So like, you know, the, the archetypes they started with were um, priestess, the maiden, the wild woman and the slut. That was the four as they were named. Right. And mm -hmm. they would go through them over a six week course. And so my partner and a bunch of her friends and a bunch of their then sort of students Mm. I watched them change from embodying these, these um, downloading these energies. I watched, you know, a woman who was quite repressed and her sexuality start to open like an enjoyment and a flow in that area. And it wasn't just that one time. It's like that became a thing she could access and, mm. you know, women with not great boundaries, getting their priestess on and starting to get like this power. And I was like, Whoa. And also as a male, being part of this and dating and relating and that I, I kind of had to, I'm like, well, how do I level up? Like what, what do I do in response? You know? And like, mm. um, so I started trying to find ways to more deeply embody like the King, the magician, the warrior, the lover, because yeah, the books were great, but they didn't tell you anything to do. And mm. so I started trying to translate, well, okay, my King, well, he probably doesn't have like all these parking fines and bad debts and like a messy house. Like there's a sense of like order and like, <laughs> majesty and, and i live like a 14 year old and i'm just all over the let's say fuck okay i need to like sort out my integrity and my financial integrity and you know my code of conduct and i so i started just unpacking all this stuff and mm. you know lover i started getting more into like neo tantra sort of stuff and dating and seduction and all, all that polarity and stuff david data and whatnot and so i just started trying to find things for each archetype largely because I'd seen the women getting these transitions. I was like, well, I don't think I can dance the King, you know, that's what these guys are doing. But I, but I, there's something. So I just, I started really looking into them in culture and 
you know, there's a lot of resources, a lot of books and blogs. So I started to consume those and I just love that you can download it rather than trying to learn a skill or, you know, even do like values work, which would be higher up mm. to download an actual identity yeah. is really like, um, it's very efficient software. You could say, you know, it's like, okay, if I, if I drop in my King, I don't, I'm going to know all the things that he knows and I'm going to be in order to sustain that energy, I'm going to be forced to level up in, in numerous areas. So um, playing with those has, has been really powerful. Yeah. And also this idea of like the King being a combination of all of the elements and certain, yeah, so that's kind of a very interesting approach too, in terms of like embodying the king kind of means that you have all the other ones kind of set in place. Yeah. And you know, I, I think of it like an, a, um, a version of king would be like CEO, right? Like if you're going to run yeah. your company, yeah, kind of actually do need to be able to nurture people, but you also have to be able to like cut off dead weight, but you also have to be like, think completely outside the box and create. So it's like, okay, mm. that's, I just went through lover, lover, warrior, and magician in one meeting all at the same time, and and I really love the idea of the king as like the um, the executor of the uh, the executive function of the others. So it's almost the ability to know when to use what and to to hold that in balance. You know, mm, totally. Yeah, I really like this ability of yours that you have in terms of like taking the spiritual and making it very practical. I think that that's missing in a lot of and new age advice. Yeah. So yeah, well, yeah, go ahead. I mean, I always just think like, you're not that magic if you can't produce results. Like that's literally what magic is. Right. Yeah, and I, and true. it's just like, yeah, I'm just this magical. I'm like, but you're poor all the time. How, how are you magic? Your magic <laughs> sucks. You know, like, yeah. or your magic has gotten just overly special and to be more fair, like I'm being a bit dramatic, but, to be more fair, your magic has been overly specialized in like one area. And I, and I think like, to me, there's this one of the practices I love, um, which comes from the order of the golden dawn is the middle pillar. And I do, I do it in my own way. I don't really follow their structure, but it's kind of, you know, the, the downwards channel through the chakras. And I, I work with that a lot on that model. It's almost like spiral in reverse, you know, if spiral is the yeah. climbing, the descent and the manifestation current and mm. it's like we can diagnose like where your manifestational flow is out so it's like yeah you've got the imagination you know or yeah you're you express but your heart is closed so you don't have the gratitude or the love or you're not tapped into the field or maybe you are but you have no will so you can't bring it to life or maybe you're at that level but you have no juice so you can't charge with emotion or maybe you've got all that and you just don't do anything. So it's like the mm. feet, you know, the base, the, the earth, you're just not bringing it into matter. And I think a lot of us that are really juiced up on the consciousness level, it's like the feet can just be like a little bit floating above the ground. And mm. I've had to work really hard to start to try to bring that down because it's like, well, we're here, you know, it comes back to like, we're here for a reason. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that kind of uh, driven purpose. Yeah, it's it's almost like having one foot in the metaphysical and one foot in the physical. Really coming from that integration, like yin and yang essence. Yeah, that's 
that's definitely my kind of North star of what, when I've gone too far one way or the other, it's like, yeah, but you know, I want to, I want both. Yeah. That's amazing. And what would you say is like a way for practitioners who are healers or much more uh, in the spiritual uh, arena to really start to make more money and like niche down and be able to, you know, create a, a lasting brand or a lasting legacy. Mm, that's beautiful. I mean, I think the first bit is they've got to decide to do that. You know, like they can be this thing of like, Oh, but I don't really want to make money. Like it's really common in, in a lot of, lot of areas. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. well, well then you're never going to, but it's the part that I challenge is like, I don't think that's true. You know, yeah. They, they kind of mean like, I don't want to lose being spiritual or I don't want to be like a bad person or something, but mm. there's so many limiting beliefs under that rock and they don't want to really want to look. So, so if they're in that place of like, actually, you know, I think I, if I'm honest, I do, I think committing to that and committing to like one service. So it's giving it's serving. And that doesn't always look like, you know, I love the whole Joseph Campbell follow your bliss, but it's not actually always enough. You know, it's like, actually you might have to suck it up and make some sales calls, you know, like you might have to figure out some stuff that actually kind of sucks, you know, if you're not at first and, and maybe later you won't need to do that. But basically it comes down to like, if you care enough about what you have to offer um, Mm. and you're not like a, a millionaire trust fund kid or something. Cause if you are, you don't, you don't need to make money off it. You can just, you can just go forth and serve, you know, but for the, for the vast majority, um, the truth is you have something to offer and the best way is to just simply give that thing to the, you know, start finding different ways to, to offer, to serve, to package, whether it, we're talking free, cheap, medium, expensive, like try all of them, you know, and, but just, just get into the service energy. And the other is have the self-respect and self-worth to ask for what you want, you know, and to, to not even to demand what you want, you know? And it's like, you know, I remember having drunken nights where I was like talking to the sky, like, okay, I'll build this thing, but I want to make 50 grand a month. That's my demand. You know? And it's like a couple months later, I'm making that kind of like, Whoa, like I just (laughs) shout at the sky and get my result, you know? Yeah. That's wonderful. And I think that service energy that you're talking about is also like a flow state trigger for sure. Yeah. Because it's like yeah. the alt- helper's high. Some people call it. Oh, that's like, nice. Yeah. Well, I, well, the way I see it is, you know, like you, you kind of have to want money. Like that part is for people who have kind of gone into the spiritual bubble, they can yeah. kind of disconnect from that. So you you have to desire that outcome, but if that's the driver, then you get this contracted fucking takey thing. You know, I've found it where I've got some financial target and I'm really mm. committed and, and it's like the juice kind of dries up a little bit. And then when I yeah. flipped like, you know who I'd like to work with, I'd really like to work with these kind of people. Maybe I'll start putting something and, and then this kind of give energy starts to open you mm. and it's like, Oh, you know, the paradox of like, when I drop the clinging onto the result, I'm able to give and serve and then I get the result real fast. But it's, it's, it's a constant balance of like giving and taking or giving and receiving. And I think, you know, 
you, we can also have really broke people that are, that are really stuck on, I've got to get what I've got to get because, you know, survival pressure is real, but ironically to temporarily get out of that, it's like, what if I could help a hundred people this week? It's like, well, if you could stay alive for that week, you probably find yourself in a situation where it's a lot easier to start generating something than last week when you were just trying to get for yourself. So it's a bit of a paradox because it's not total altruism either. It's not just like, Mm. I'm just going to go full saint, but, um, but the desire to serve and to impact and to, to express, I think is, is the big part. And, and just the sweet for me, you know, I had tried repeatedly to get out of my day job and to kind of get something going over the years. And it just, it just had failed repeatedly. And in 2011, I just took this thing of like, what if I just, what if I just tried to do like 500 sessions this year of anything, zero, $50, whatever they are, just, 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 I just got to get out there and just start impacting enough people to kind of create a critical mass, you know, and I won't be fussy. I'm not going to worry about, I'd heard of this niching thing, but I didn't really understand if I should do it or not. And I was like, what if I just, just fuck all that for just for a year, I'm just going to like serve and I'll do business coaching. I'll do healing. I'll do like kinesiology balance your twisted ankle, which I don't give a shit about, but if people need me, I will, I will fucking help them. Mm. And within about six months, you know, I was making really good money and I was able to get out of my job. But the first few months was not about that at all. It was just like the doors are open. What, what do you, I'm here, you know, how can I serve? And and Mm. just that energy shift um, got me out of the day job, which is really, you know, a security piece. It's like, I'm there because I don't know how else I'm going to pay my bills. So I'm, I must stay here, which is a fear base into like, actually, I'm just here to expand and I'm not even worried about how this is going to look or is if it's going to work or if I get anything back, like just, and, and the more strategic layer is, can I just get good at creating value in the world? Like mm. if, if my real outcome isn't, you know, a thousand dollars or $10,000 or a million dollars or whatever, if my real outcome is the mastery of value creation, it's like, that's the goose that lays the golden egg, right? Like money isn't really, value like money is a result of value um yeah. and the control of value like you know like not all money is generated by good deeds obviously there's a lot of like fucked up shit going on but the people that have it they are able to control where the value goes and who gets what which is mm. the kind of old world model but if we're wanting to come in with like i guess conscious wealth creation it still relies on like well can you create something of any value because if it isn't, no one's going to want it. And if it is, you will never have a problem getting money for something that people value more than that money. You know, like it's just, it's, it's kind of simple really. Yeah. And what I'm reminded of is when my business coach, uh, Joe Nicasio, he's talking a little bit about this. You got to go into a sales, like with a kind of deflated, like a deflated balloon, like no pressure. And mm. because we reach this point where it's like, oh yeah, it's great. But then when it comes time to ask about the money, it's like this, our coolness level drops. So, right, right. <laughs> so it's like this ability to maintain that low pressure. And what's really helped me is to reframe this idea from me being a salesman to me being a trusted advisor. And that's mm. really like shifted my ability to see this person is just not a good fit for me or like, yeah, 
it's almost like, you know, when you're dating someone too, it's like, you know, maybe we're just not a good fit or something, you know? So it's totally. like, it was a similar kind of context. And I feel like it definitely permeates into a lot of different areas. But yeah, what about that pressure piece for you? Have you noticed that pressure definitely destabilizes in terms of your own life or in, in your clients' lives? I mean, what do you mean by pressure? Pressure, I mean, like, uh, in a sense, like, almost like a feeling of tension or hesitancy, like, right before the sale, this feeling of, like, re it's essentially resistance. Um, you talk to me about, like, the kind of uh, the utility of it as well as how it, uh, how people can overcome it. Because the thing is, a little bit of that tension, and it's like a slingshot, but, like, too much mm. of it, and it's going to snap you. So... Uh, right. Do you mean specifically in sales? In sales, and but also because sales also kind of you know permeates into other areas. So mm -hmm. maybe even like dating or like even yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a lot about outcome, right? It's like it's like attachment to outcome, and it, it it's kind of a paradox because like I'm competitive and I'm ambitious and I have a lot of will that I'm going to get what I want. Like that's definitely part of the recipe, mm. but at the same time, I think it comes back to state management where like, we're not, you know, if you're the, if you're the sales prospect, I'm not looking at you like you're my meal for the week, you know, it's like, okay, I got to get this one, which sometimes is true, right? Like in the old days, that was, there was times where I was like, I fucking need this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, but that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily make it work better, you know? And mm. for me, it always loop, almost loops back to your um, question about flow states and how to access them. Because one of the things that I'm, I'm often doing is dropping into who is this person that I'm wanting to be like what level of wealth or what level of success or what level of whatever mm. is the person I'm aspiring to be. And then to really drop into being that person now. And so it's like, okay, well, if I'm, if I'm like the millionaire coach guy, for a random example, I'm definitely not stressing out over a $2,000 sale, you know? And so if I'm genuinely holding that field of like, this is who I am, this is my life, this is how I operate, this is what I value, then, then I'm going to practice acting as if, and, and I don't mean fake it till you make it, you know, I mean like v literally vibrating that reality in your fucking cells, you know, literally emitting that frequency. Mm. Um, I think, so then, it, so it's really when we have the being part, the doing part is really easy. And for me, you know, because I'd come from the call center environment, you know, when I would want to level up, I'd, I literally used to have a whiteboard in my office with sales targets on it. And sometimes that was really inspiring and I'd smash it. And other times it's like, you're looking at that number, like, man, I don't, I'm not, I'm not doing, I can't do it. I don't want to make the call. And it's like, this, it's not good. You know, it's this kind of pressure in that mm. sense is really, really what's happening is you're, you're, you're looking at it. It says like $50,000 for the month. You're on $2,000 and the month is half gone. And so you're in a, in a shame scarcity reality of like, fuck, I haven't, mm. I haven't done it. I'm not going to do it. Maybe I shouldn't even be doing this entrepreneur thing. What the hell? I need to go for a walk. I'm not going to fuck it. I'll do it tomorrow. You know, that, that whole thing mm. versus getting into like, how can I serve? What is fun? How do I get into state and, and operating from there? Like, mm. you know, my, I've had people listen to me making sales calls, which I, you know, most of it happens on messenger now. I don't talk to people on the phone really. It's, it, and it's like, it just sounds like I'm talking to a friend, 
and mm. I'm or I'm kind of auditioning them to see if they're a fit. Mm. It's like, cool. So tell me how come you want to do this thing with me? All right. Well, why, why me? Why now? You know, and it's almost like, it's almost like I don't really want them to come and they got to convince me. <laughs> well, look, yeah. no, it's going to be great because you're the person. And if I work with you, I'm like, okay, well, here's how it would work. Here's what would happen. How you feel about that? Good. Okay, cool. Well, here's how you pay. Let's, let's sort that out. You know? And, and, which is not how it always was, but what's happened is I'm just very certain of the outcome and I'm not trying to get anything. Mm. Yeah. I, like I'm not like, like I, yeah. Yeah. Certainty and, and a, a very mostly like, I'm not trying to be like I'm superhuman because I've done that thing a lot, mostly a, a, a lack of attachment because like you said, I'm more interested to filter in are we a fit? Because if we're a fit, we're both going to want to do it. It's like the dating thing. You know, if you're in scarcity and you're in the belief that there's not a lot of women that like you or men that like you, then when you get one in front of you, you're going to be like, I've got to get this one, you know. He's going to be the father of my children or whatever, you know. (laughs) Versus like, you know, just to depersonalize it a little and be... Look, it's funny where this whole thing comes down to, I think, is ego, you know. Mm. And like the more we can deconstruct the idea that we're this separate self that has to get its needs met. And if it doesn't do that, it's going to fucking die or be disappointed. Then the less it all matters and the more we can have fun. And from that place, it's like, if I'm meeting someone in a bar for a drink, I'm just there to see what happens. Mm. You know, I'm just curious about if these two beings want to have something spark between them. And if they don't, well, then then we didn't need that to happen. And you know, if they did, it's because, and you can unpack it later, it's like, yeah, well, I wanted that. Well, I wanted that. Well, then it was going to happen, wasn't it? And I think mm-hmm. a sales call is the same. And really, it's about addressing the scarcity of like, well, this is the, my only chance. Yeah. And it's like, if that's the case, you're not really maybe reaching enough people or you're not really, you know, you're not emanating out far enough, you know, like you want to have a thousand people who want your thing. So then it's easy to find five or 10 that can buy it because it's not like, you know? Yeah. It's like inspiration frequency over like desperation frequency. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Cause desperation frequency just kills stuff, yeah. you know? And, and like if, when you're in it, you know, if, if we're truly in like, I have to survive, well, that's a different story, different you know, story, but, yeah. but For we're sure. often in, survival that hunger also sometimes gets people to rise up to so it's paradoxia again well i'd say when you're really in that that's the time when you can let the animal drive to like i'll just fucking you know we're talking starvation and it's we'll take what you've got to take what you've got to take you know but Mm. because that's wired into us you, you know and i don't know where everyone who's listening is but when people are like, well, I've, I've quit my day job to do my business. That person probably isn't going to starve, you know? And mm-hmm. even though in the nervous system, it's kind of like, we're going to fucking die. You know, it's like, no, maybe your wife will be disappointed that you didn't, you know, you've got to go back to the job. But, you know, that's really what's going on. But we're acting as if like, we're going to fucking die, you know? And it's like, right. it's, not really true for, for for a lot of people that will be dealing with these issues of like you know my sales yeah. calls or whatever it's like right yeah and i've noticed that like a lot of people also 
most of my clients actually have this kind of state dependence. So they feel like they need to be in flow all the time. It's kind of right. this, this bliss junkie kind of mentality of like, uh, yeah, I'm like, I'm not in flow yet. And so like, so I keep telling them, it's like, you know, when you can feel good out of flow, then you're back in flow again. So it's totally. like, so it's like this ability to recognize like, you know, sadness and, you know, anger, all these can be awesome too. Like reframing it as like this thing that you got to explore, not this thing that is like attacking me, but rather it's, yeah. it's like a friend. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, one, like when I look at the flow genome guys, little chart, it goes struggle then flow. Right. So it's like, if you're struggle, not struggling, release, flow, yeah. <laughs> struggle, release flow, right. As a struggle, release flow and then rest. Is that how it goes? Yeah. Right. So, Recovery, you, so yeah. it's almost, almost like if you haven't dialed up the struggle enough, you're not going to break through to the release stage. You know, it's like, oh, right. I kind of tried. It's like, no, like say it's sales calls. It's like, well, make 10 a day for a month and then tell me how you're going. Exactly, and it's like, that yeah. might suck for three weeks, but on like, you know, maybe day three of week four, it's like, ah, oh, and I just made some calls and then I was jamming with this guy and we, cl- and it's like, ah, oh, wonder what momentum. Happened. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, just, I think people ha- can have an unrealistic expectation of, um, whether we're using a word like flow or like, you know, I, since I've started really throwing words like magic around, you know, mm. and I gave, gave like a stern lecture in one of my containers today. I'm like, Hey, 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 don't use magic as an excuse to like not execute. Like, yeah. how do you think this is going to happen? You know what? Like, why is it that like, you know, extreme sports athletes are, are experiencing flow, right? Those guys have worked their ass off. You know, there's mm-hmm. a lot, there's a lot of time not in flow, like yeah. to get to those places. And the other part, um, one of the schools of thought that I was really into in my sort of teens and twenties was chaos magic, which was a real remixing of sort of traditional ceremonial magic. It was like very punk and eighties and postmodern, right? Mm. They weren't very hip hop, but to my hip hop brain, it was a bit hip hop. You know, we can take a bit from here, a bit from there. <laughs> yeah. Fuck the rule. If it works, it works. You know, that was mm. kind of the attitude. Um, they talk about um, you can charge like a spell or an intention with any emotion. So it's like you can do like a sigil magic spell, which is like, you know, you create a symbol with your intention. You can charge it with boredom. And if you put enough boredom into it, it will work. You know? Mm. So it's like, it's like all energy is useful. So it's like, you know, so your depression can be yeah. fuel. Your, your boredom is like awesome. Go deep into that fucking boredom. What's really in there, you know, like it's, it's all got um, richness in it. Mm, I love that. Yeah, that's incredible. So uh, yeah, that was an incredible deep dive. Thing. <laughs> Thank you so much for this. Um, oh, one last question actually. So, before you can plug your stuff, basically, I, I want to ask this question that I ask all my clients and as well as people on the podcast, which is basically, if you had like one message that you could yell through a megaphone, like a cosmic megaphone, entire universe would hear that message. Mm-hmm. What would that message be? That message would be, you can be, do, have whatever you want you just need to adjust your vibration and your action to match those things. Mm, Wonderful. (laughs) Awesome. 
yeah, so this is a place for you to like tell the people what you're currently up to and uh, yeah, let them know uh, where they can get in contact with you. Cool, man. So the most, the thing I'm most excited about, and if, you, if you're listening to this, you probably listen to podcasts. I have a podcast called the Dane Thomas Podcast. Uh, it's on Spotify, it's on iTunes, it's other places as well. And we kind of unpack magic, business, creativity, conscious money sort of stuff. They're the kind of main themes, tantra, spirituality. That's kind of my mix. So check that out. I have a bunch of books. If you're into business, check out The Conscious Hustle. If you want to learn about the spiral and the clearing techniques, check out Clear Your Shit. If you want to learn about archetypes, masculine archetypes, check out The Integrated Man. And there's a bunch of others there as well. And if you just want to follow me or get in touch, you can follow uh dark wizard media on instagram or dark wizard media on facebook awesome incredible thank you so much again for being here and may the flow be with you man (laughs) (laughs) thank you very much you're welcome if you enjoyed this flow awakening episode be sure to leave us a review on apple podcasts and follow at flowzone academy on instagram that's at f-l-o-z-o-n-e-a-c-a-d-e-m-y may the flow be with you and stay legendary until next time flomies